0: Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the fateful and for the fateful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal and I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce.
1: Hey, David. How are you doing tonight?
0: Pretty good. <laughs> that was probably that may have been the most enjoy like just from a pure uh, dopamine perspective, you know, little uh, things that made me happy. In a game, all that might be in the highest dopamine game of the year, Bruce. Just mm-hmm. endless little highs throughout the game. Uh, from the Oilers' stars outshining the Toronto Maple Leaf stars uh, to all the goals. The Oilers scored seven in total. Five mm-hmm. of them. 5-2 <clears throat> win over the Maple Leafs. And in an absolutely dominating performance where the grade-A shots were... Twelve to five for the Oilers, and the five alarm shots were eight to one.
1: Wow. Wow! I'm trying eight to remember to one. the one it wasn't a... it wasn't the goals, was it? Like no. they were kind of both outside shots. They, they had
0: really... one in, at the end of the first period. Mm-hmm. Okay. Forty-one left in the first period. All right. Uh, the dynamite line was out there, and I'm not exactly I can't remember what happened. All right. All right, Bruce. This is our two good things, two bad things, and two numbers podcast. And because it's a high dopamine night, we're going to go with two good things each. What's your first good thing?
1: Yeah. Well, I got to go with uh, with Connor McDavid. Go way out there and pick a pick a dark horse for the first good thing tonight. Connor lining up against his uh, uh, old friends from uh, Toronto <clears throat> and. Uh, He had a a very, let's say, high event game. Well, officially, he only had three shots on net and no hits. Uh, He sure got hit a couple times. He really got hammered in the corner by one Justin Hull of uh, Toronto, who uh, met his just desserts a little later in the game. And he got run into the net by another Toronto defender. He drew at least one penalty, took two penalties, but... uh, Uh, most importantly was his work around the net where he scored two goals for the Oilers, set up a third and saved one that he fished out from his own goal line behind everybody in the middle of the second period that uh, when the game was still relatively close. And uh, uh, he did so in his usual elegant manner. He didn't just sort of blindly shovel the puck out, but he, sort of recognized he had a split second and he pulled it right out the open side and on up the ice. Uh, So uh, it's just so much that he does. And I mean, five, two-game, two-goal games in a row. And uh, he had all three of his points in the first period. And at that point, he'd run his, his streak up to 16 points in 11 periods 16 points in 11 periods because he scored three in the third period against philadelphia then he got four four on the road trip four in each of uh, pittsburgh and columbus scored both goals against boston and then tonight three points in the first period so kind of reminds me of that time when sam gagne had 11 points in three periods when he had the eight-point game all in the all in the last 40, and then he got three in the first period of the next game, and <clears throat> in at least one sense beat the fabulous Daryl Sittler record. It's one of those things where the games overlap, and if you're paying attention to, you know, like the shortness of the span, this was really really compressed by uh, by just the distribution of uh, of his points.
0: No one five no game stat except for you, Bruce. No one on five,
1: earth. Two, well, Jason Greger had it, oh, okay. and he said sixteen points in thirteen periods. And I, f- I had to correct no, him. No, no, I, mean I, f- I felt bad, but I had to correct him because I, I'd actually done this in my head today because I thought, you know, he got all his points in Philly, so he's and then I had, he's got thirteen points in ten periods, and I, that's pretty good. And then three more in the first. And Jason just considered the entire Philadelphia game, but. I, I of course, remember that they had the three-goal comeback in the third period, led by McDavid, and that started him on this hot-fire streak that he's on with, uh, you know, five straight games with two goals in each game. I mean, that's Gretzky material there.
0: That, uh, my wife and I, that play that he grabbed the puck off the goal line on his backhand, charged Mm -hmm. in and took it off his, you know, kind of cradled it towards himself, we both mm-hmm. both agree that if that had about been us, we would have definitely slabbed it in our own net. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, and 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 many NHL players would have screwed it up too, and probably put it in their own darn net. But he is he is such exquisite coordination. No. Um, to make that play was fantastic, and what I what I note when you carefully watch his skating, there's so much to watch, mm-hmm. but it's, it's it, his, it his, what hits me over the head more more and more is his cutbacks. His cutbacks in either direction are just, you know, they are the best in the world. And, um, you know, even in a league where there's so many fantastic skaters, so many, all of these defensemen are just great skaters. Almost, you know, they're just, you can't play in the NHL if you're not. They're the best skaters in the world. And yet he makes them all. He breaks their ankles always, right? Because he's he's got this cutback play, you know. And on the, on, I think it was the second goal mm-hmm. that he scores, where he comes down the slot. And then right. goes to the side. He does a real quick cut back on that play, where he suddenly slams his skates and moves. Then moves around the player, and it's and it's that cut back in mid attack, mm-hmm. which gets him that space to cut over and get the shot off. And um, wow, he 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 is like you know a lot of players can really cut back hard in one direction. He can do it in either direction, and he can do it at top speed when he's going at top speed. So that's what sets him apart among other things
1: that was that was the one where Costin, uh the puck yeah. was came through the center zone and coston just touched it and stopped it and put it into mcdavid's lane and mcdavid probably would have been able to skate onto it anyway but because coston stopped it he was able to sort of change his approach and come straight up the middle he would have had to chase it over and come up the boards so he came up the middle and there was two defensemen standing in front of him it, was, it looked like a one-on-two and then he did this basically 90 degree hard cut to his left yeah. and beat the, the the right defenseman to the outside and left the left defenseman completely out of the frame like he turned the one-on-two into a one-on-one on one and effectively a one-on-zero because the one guy had no chance to stop that kind of elite move you know you would need a very high-end skater to be able to handle that and stay with him and then uh he found a hole in uh, uh, the uh, somewhat holy, although he was way better later in the game, uh, Toronto goalie, uh, yeah. Ilya Samsonov.
0: Bruce, we yeah. haven't seen those kind of cutbacks on ice since Franz Klammer was uh, going down the ski hills in the 1970s. Inns-
1: um, Innsbruck, eh? I, was, I remember it well. He was number 15. 30. He always had, had the top seed at the end of the first seed, and he was in Innsbruck, and he was, of course, the hometown hero. And it was, uh, it was uh, just a fantastic. The speed was breathtaking, even on TV.
0: Yeah, you know, I didn't even watch the last Olympics in China. I don't, I don't think I watched. I, I might have mm-hmm. watched five minutes of it. I, I, anyway, Um Bruce, my good thing, my my good thing are the two goals. There was lots of nice rush goals, mm-hmm. including. Fantastic move by a pass by uh, Fogle and incredible move by Ryan McLeod. But my uh, two good things are the virtuous cycle goals. (coughs) Excuse me. And there was two of them. So the Mm -hmm. first comes with a minute 55 actually doesn't, that's when the goal is scored, but it Mm -hmm. starts uh, 43 seconds earlier. um, The first one. And and it's, that's the one with um, McDavid winning a faceoff in the offensive zone. And from then on in, the owners don't have continuous possession, but they have pretty much close, you know, close to full pos- full possession for 43 seconds until they score. And, uh, McDavid, um, uh, Derek Ryan is involved in that one. Um, let me see who else, um, Hyman yeah. mm-hmm.
1: and,
0: uh, Eckholm. And, and, um, it, it, um, it ends up with the puck in the corner, McDavid gets it, put, and he skates uh, towards the blue line and, and lays it off for Eckholm, takes it down and lays it off. Kind of Hyman gets it, and then he takes it out to the slot, gets off a shot that's blocked, and then he makes an incredible shot where he's going one way and he shoots the other. Such a difficult play uh, to execute and an, a near impossible shot for the goalie to stop, especially when there's some <laughs> he screening was going lost on. Lost
1: at sea, Samsonov was probably two feet away from that shot. He was sort of drifting <laughs> to the left and it came in on the other post, and he was he just had no prayer. He was he, moving away from the puck.
0: Yeah, a, he was lost I mean, at sea of McDavid's goal too. That first one, he went dry, yeah. subtle shot yep. it, and then his way he lost his net there a little bit. The second one. <clears throat> starts with a defensive zone um, face-off. Leon Drysaddle wins it, and this one, this sequence where the owners, again almost have continuous possession is for 30 seconds, where they take it from one end to the other. Leon takes it, dumps it in, and then hustles in. And uh, <clears throat> Leon, you know, I've been there's been talk that he's playing hurt, talk that he's been injured, might have the the leg injury hasn't really uh, completely healed from that nasty vicious, uh, idiotic play for Mikey Anderson, um, in the playoffs last year, which I will, will remember for a long time, I feel. Mm-hmm. And, um, but Leon t- to look me, looked like he was completely healthy tonight. Like it was, and it might've been the first time this year where I really felt that, where he just looked like he was flying out there. Like, like he, he was just moving freely, no pain, nothing from his injury. Um, just looked Fantastic. So I hope that's the case, that he's completely healed. It sure looked like it tonight, Bruce. He had a whale of a game. So he rushes in on the forecheck. Mm -hmm. He wins the puck. Um, Other people are involved as the puck. Toronto gets possession of the puck at at one point, and they kind of gives it away again. And um, in the end, um, Nurse makes a great pinch up the boards to win it back. And... um, New Jim Hopkins then puts it over to Nurse. Put, nurse puts it over to uh, CC. CeCe. CeCe takes an outside shot and cut Yamamoto. Seems like he only scores now on deflection goals almost, yeah. but he deflects it in.
1: He's and very, very, very nice, good at
0: deflections. <coughs> very nice uh, deflection from Yamamoto. And uh, um, that particular virtuous cycle lasted 30 seconds, and it was 30 seconds of pure oiler joy.
1: Yeah, they were all over him. I mean, Leon... Like his, when he skates determined like he did tonight, good luck stopping him. And he came, you know, he won the draw, he got the outlet pass, and he like, he skated at about 100 feet, and then he dumped it in. He led the four check, and Toronto never was able to make a good clearing play because he was all over the guy trying to make the first pass. And then proceeded from there with a num- number of passes, and he touched it one or two times. But in the end, the fourth and fifth guys, Uh, to touch the puck from the goal, uh, and therefore pointless. Nuge Or or Nuge and dry saddle. And then the the plumbers got the job done, but it was, you know, it was a five-man effort all the way and a beauty tip.
0: So, What's your second good thing, Bruce?
1: Yeah, I'm going to tip a hat to the newcomer uh, Matthias Ekholm I uh, tried to watch him closely in the context of a, you know, busy, at times, frenetic game. And I was very impressed with uh, most of what I saw, his, his coolness. his He uses some different techniques and uh, uh, maybe they teach here or uh, maybe, they, you know, maybe this is coming out of that, uh, that uh, uh, college of defensemen that they've had going on in Nashville these last 20 years. Uh, but... Um, uh i i absolutely loved the way this guy understands and uses the boards and he the way he was angling opponents into the boards and just sort of cutting them out of space to go uh especially though how he banked pucks off the boards whether it be a uh, a pass just a simple uh path like that power play drop pass that uh uh, we've seen the guy slide down the middle of the ice, and what he did was he drilled it off the sideboard so that but it came into the middle of the ice with, you know, some speed and while McDavid was skating right onto it, and it just sort of added to the speed of the rush. Or a little clearing play he made along the wall where Toronto had the pressure on, and he got the puck for about an eighth of a second, and bang, he, he drilled it right off the dasher, and it popped up in the air and over the defenseman's head and out of the zone, and... Just, you know, the authority of, of how he shot that. You know, it's an innocuous play in one sense, but it's a pretty important play to clear the zone when you're under pressure for a while. And, and uh, I would bet you that he could shoot that puck off the boards in the same way and would pop over the defenseman most of the time just because of, you know, the velocity that he had on it. And I, I, I obviously a smart player and a, and a smart defensive player in the right places. He may have been behind the... Uh, the play on one rush that uh, uh, Bouchard was kind of left back on his own, uh, and arguably he was uh, um, not quite in the shooting lane on the Marner goal that made it five-two. Yeah, kind of tough on of that
0: one, but yeah, I agree.
1: And otherwise, uh, you know, just I thought lots of lots of smart and lots of uh, lots of steady and physical, not in the sense of of booming checks, but just sort of being in the way and being hard to get around or through. And I think that kind of presence is going to uh, uh, have a positive impact. I think it did on Evan Bouchard tonight, and I think it did on, uh, well, I thought his new teammates, the guys that have been sort of saying we need to go for it, I thought that they were putting on a show for him to some extent, like Leon in particular, I thought... And I was kind of laughing with my wife and saying, well, if, I, if there's anybody from any team that doesn't need to be shown how good Leon is, it's anybody from Nashville Predators. <laughs> exactly.
0: Exactly. I mean, I made the same joke with my wife. Yeah, I'm exactly. sure a lot of living Every husband in the speech is
1: so, when Leon, Leon came out and, he you know, was sort of, okay, this is it. Now we're getting close to our team. It's time for us to get down to business was my sort of impression of, of his game. In the first period, he was absolutely fantastic. Uh, um, but uh, just that, he, he earned an assist, and I think, was it he who got kind of robbed out of the uh, assist on Bouchard's non-goal? Were they called David sure for... I think he might have been involved in that play as well, but of course we've got no scoring play to check because the uh, the refs made their favorite call,
0: no goal <sighs> on that one. I th- I you know so I don't weigh in on players until I've seen them a bit. Mm-hmm. I'll give you my first impression though, like sure. it just um it changes. It just he just seems to com- change the complexion of the Edmonton Oilers defense. Nothing against Tyson Berry. But, you know, Ken, Ken Holland has talked about wanting to have some big bodies back there, some size back there. Size matters. It matters a lot. Do, you know, if it's com- combined with a really good player. Tyson Berry is a really good player. Like, there's nothing wrong with him. He's, he's you know, he hangs in there on defense and even strength. He's, I would say, scrappy. You know, that's kind mm-hmm. of a word that's used for the uh, smaller player. But. There's a difference with the Daharnays and the Eckholms back there it just changes. You know, if the orders had gone with seven defensemen earlier in the year, we would have had um, uh, Murray and Ryan Murray and, and Barry, you know, two smaller guys in, instead of these two giants. Mm-hmm. And... um it just it's it transforms the Edmonton Oilers defensively and and on the penalty kill like it's just great to have these big guys and at home, you can just see my first impression he's got tremendous defensive hockey IQ.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's the thing you're noticing. He's 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 just he's in, he's not he's not a big hitter. You look at his hitting stats and he's not a big shot blocker either. But he is just a he's just a really smart, effective defenseman with the puck and without it fundamentally sound getting the job done and man is that ever welcome on the order's blue line because they they have been leaking goals it's been mainly it's been mainly a goalie issue (coughs) all year frankly but um the defense needed to get bigger and they needed people who could kill penalties and they needed people Mm -hmm. who could they can play in key key moments like with a minute left in the in the period who can just shut down the other team and I think they're finding them in, in Deharnais and Ekholm especially. He's, uh, he looks like that, that, that does look like just, a uh, uh, you know, my first impression is that's a tremendous acquisition. Um, it was just what this team needed to balance this team. And, um, you know, I, when you have a player like Evan Bouchard, um, you, I think you do have to give him opportunity. And I, and I I believe that Evan Bouchard has earned that opportunity, Bruce. And I know a lot of people don't ex- agree with me. Like they'll, th- A lot of people will contend that, that Tyson Berry is a better puck mover at even strength than Evan Bouchard. I just don't see it. Not this year, at least. Um, you know, when, when we track grade-A shots, mm-hmm. it has almost double the rate of major contributions to grade-A shots at even strength as Tyson Berry. Tyson Berry is a really good player. But people... I, there, we saw this pass again and again, even this game where Bouchard will get the puck. He'll kind of um, almost, uh, I think it's called an eagle. Like he'll kind of saucer back on his skates.
1: Mm-hmm. And he's
0: looking up the ice. And mm-hmm. as he's looking up the ice, he fires the puck.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And he, he, this is his bread and butter breakout play. Mm-hmm. And it's really effective. It really works. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's, it is a dangerous play. And... Um, you know, there's even times in this game where, where again, he looked languid and he looked like he wasn't trying because you know, that's how he looks often. Yep. It's his style, but I think I, I just think people are so caught up in that that they miss they're, they're not counting the number of great passes that guy makes. He makes great passes again and again and again in a game, and, again. and um, we're count we we try to count them up and we try lots to lots of stretch passes
1: in there, I reckon, David, in those chances.
0: I, have you ever I, counted I them up was, yeah mm-hmm. we're counting them up we could we could we could look and um yeah, i bet he leads the team in those yeah so uh he's not my good thing but i'm just riffing here mm-hmm. on the trade a little bit so mm-hmm. uh what's well, yours what's yours where are we my is it my second good thing now
1: uh no it's uh it's we're, oh wait no yeah that was my second good thing was was so, so at my rec- second home and Also, he's got a great beard. So good to have a Viking back on the team. We haven't had one since Adam Larson left town.
0: Yeah. yeah. I think we should trade for uh, Ragnar Lothbrok next, and we'll be set. All right. I'm going to go with, um, speaking of Viking-like behavior, (laughs) if had died in that fight, he'd be be the toast of Valhalla tonight, drinking with the gods at the big table. Mm -hmm. But he didn't. He he won the fight, and I loved it, Bruce. I loved Nugent Hopkins standing up for Cutter Yamamoto. Yamamoto that was a that was a legal hit, but that was a nasty hard hit. High hit. And Nuge went right at him. Mm-hmm. And you know, you, you've been saying he's got his man strength now, Bruce, and he showed it in that fight. Like he he's got that man strength. He's got like the strength of three boys when he when he, <laughs> he was. He's got the strength of, like, 77 chinchillas in him, and he went at that guy, uh, Justin mm-hmm. Hall, and he he got some punches in.
1: He got. Like, we counted, we watched it, like, three or four times, and each time I counted four for Nuge and zero for the other guy. And oh, he, got, he got one over the top that looked like it might, I don't know if it got visor or head, but it made good contact. And then a, a second sort of looping, Right, and then and towards the end of it, two quick uppercuts that also seemed to land, uh, just uh, just as they were going to the ice, and he was uh, ferocious, Dave. Just-
0: he he really was, and even if he mm-hmm. hadn't won the fight, even if mm-hmm. he'd taken punches, Bruce, just showing mm-hmm. up like that is so important in the NHL, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is a league where intimidation is a huge huge factor in games, and mm-hmm. where we're fighting as a pack, standing up for each other makes a difference yeah. for a team. We, we've yeah. said this many times. That Oilers teams that don't do that, do they? Are they winning teams?
1: No. Yeah. Well, this was definitely standing up for a teammate. You you know damn well that he was aware of of not only how that was a high hit, but who took that high hit and how he's been dealing with with concussion or, uh, related uh, possible whiplash uh, um, injuries that have set him back uh, three different times this season and. Uh, Nuge's immediate response was sort of F this. He sort of went right by the defenseman in front of the net and right into the face of the other guy, tapped the ice once with his stick. So Hall was ready to drop him and they dropped him at the same time. So it wasn't instigating or anything. It was just a whooping. and and, you know Nuge was in there for the right reasons whether he also remembered that it would have been hall that had hammered mcdavid in the corner earlier probably not and we probably had no issue because that was a good hit but the one on on yamamoto you know yamamoto didn't finish the game after that he had to go to the dressing room for concussion protocol and was probably less than 15 minutes of real time left in the game so he never came back he sure sure looked crestfallen, Kyler, when he was putting his helmet back on on the bench. And tt Force came, and said, "Sorry, you got to go down, got to go to the room." And he just let out one a long swear, and you could just see how, you know, not I, you know.
0: I am glad though, because in the second when, when when the camera that close up first mm-hmm. close up photo, he looks fine on the bench. He doesn't mm-hmm. look like he's hurt. He doesn't look like he's in no. anguish or distress. It's only when Forrest gives him the news. Hey, like, okay, buddy. The spotters have said, you got to go. That's when he looked anguished. Yeah. Uh, so, I was glad it happened. I think he's probably <laughs> all right. Bench, that would have been a bad sign that maybe he has a concussion. I don't think he has a concussion, so.
1: Yeah. Anyway, no, he just got the bad news that he had to go to the room, and you could tell he was pretty upset by that, but uh uh, that's why I'm sure hundred percent sure that's why Nuge reacted the way he did. and he just came in there like the incredible Hulk, you know. <laughs> Mild-mannered professor turns turns into
0: three times as normal so. <laughs> <laughs> he had the strength of fifteen Bill Bixbys. all right. <laughs> um i just I just looked up our um, microstats our um on a stretch passes. So the stretch passes mm-hmm. leading to gray day shots at even strength. And Bouchard okay. and Barry played about this exact same amount of even strength time. So Tyson Barry, uh, about 950 minutes roughly of even strength time. Mm-hmm. Tyson Barry made at, at even strength three uh, stretch passes wow. that led to grade a shots. Evan Bouchard made eighteen. Wow. So there you have it. I mean, this is why this is why I say with some confidence. Mm-hmm. he's their best puck mover and he's been there you know it's not it's not hasn't been that close at even strength now barry's been excellent on the power play he really knows how to run a power play but um no evan bouchard can move that puck at even strength like he's got some problems and warrants as a player but that's not one of them
1: no and those stretch paths. i mean those are just counting the ones that did lead to grade a shots and there would be that's a right. bunch more that you know the play fizzled or somebody shot wide or got checked you know but uh he, he uh He's generally on target with them, and uh, he's got good time. He kind of reminds me, when he's doing that sucker, he reminds me of an NFL quarterback in the pocket, you know, checking the options and then throwing one right to the linebacker on the other team that he didn't notice.
0: (laughs) Sometimes. Happens now and then.
1: Happens in football, too. Uh, Anyway. (laughs) It's, uh, I, I saw a lot more of his A game tonight, and apparently the boys had a little word with him and said, you know, play your game. You got, you know, you got cover now that you know, didn't have before.
0: So He um, was he made one um, stretch pass tonight, which isn't included in that, because I didn't <coughs> have that in my, uh, the, the season's total yet, but um, mm-hmm. the last great A chance of the game was Hyman going in on a breakaway. Oh. And um I think Bouchard did his rotation there and 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 drilled
1: snapped it to McDavid.
0: Up. Drilled mm-hmm. it to McDavid, who then drilled it to Hyman. There was like two it was like mm-hmm. two stretch two really fine passes in a row. Mm-hmm. And uh that sent Hyman in. So Bruce, let's move on to bad things. What is your bad thing?
1: Yeah, well I gotta lean a little bit on Cody Cece on that first Toronto goal that tied the game at one to one. And CeCe was so busy doing the linesman's job that he forgot to do his own. And there was a kind of a weird zone entry at the blue line. I'm still not convinced it wasn't on uh, offside, Uh, but I'm not convinced that it was. Like the puck popped up into the air. It got swatted down. It kind of landed right on the blue line. A Toronto guy burst across the line before the puck broke the plane. Is that how I thought saw it? Uh, And then on the one two angles of the replay, I thought, no, when they swatted it down, it was actually already over the line. So Edmonton then had to get the puck over the line and they didn't. It just landed right on the line. And obviously the Oilers video uh, team looked at it and uh, they decided not to challenge it. But what happened uh, was CC thought it was offside and he just stopped. With the puck on his stick, he just kind of stopped and waited for the column he made. thought it's laid-off side, as soon as that Toronto guy touches it, they're going to blow the whistle. Well, the the Toronto guy touches it in the act of taking it away from him and passing it into the slot, and I think Nurse was a little maybe a little bit slow to uh, respond as well. And the mighty David Camp scored from the high slot on a goal where maybe even Stuart Skinner wasn't that ready for it because uh, it wasn't an overpowering shot by any means. And uh, that tied the game at one-to-one. And to be honest, it pissed me off because it just seemed like a free goal for the other team. And, and uh, Anyway, it was not a night where the orders got that many calls on scoring plays and they didn't get the offside call on that one and I'll let you take it away with the other ones
0: yeah I didn't know what CC was up to I just thought he was I thought he was just screwed it up like like he you just thought had a the play was part. dead yeah that that will that explain why he was just so weak That's on
1: the my players. take
0: Couldn't figure. Yeah, he thought the play was dead. You're right. That's obviously what happened. But when I was watching it, Mm -hmm. I couldn't figure it out. I just thought, well, he looks like me, kind of waddling around on the ice. Like, why? Why is a professional player doing that? (coughs) All right. He's um, your
1: spirit animal, David.
0: He's my spirit oiler. Yeah.
1: And maybe, maybe it worked. Maybe that energy transferred in reverse or something.
0: Sorry.
1: (laughs) That happened. He made some good defensive plays after that. I'll give him credit. After that disaster, he got his stuff together and he uh and he was in he, on the goal. He was fine. Yeah, and he was in on a goal. Yeah. yeah. So he's going to get a passing grade regardless, but he's going to get docked for that.
0: Yeah, you can't fail anyone that game, I don't believe. Um Bruce, my first bad thing is Bouchard's goal that was called back. <sighs> and, you know, after wandering in the desert for whatever, you know, 40 days and 40 nights, Bouchard finally scores. And he was so happy to score. Like there was this weird close-up of him where, like, he he had like a, a billion emotions on his face all at once, and it was kind of like, oh no, like that. Some he probably McDavid probably said great shot, which it was, right? Zings he it in off the post, and he said, oh no, it's a pass, and you know that was you. And then then like and then he's like, and then he, but you can see how happy he was. And then it gets For called the split second, yeah. And then it gets called back. It was rightly called back. McDavid did. Plow into that guy, Bruce. You can't. That's interference. That is interference. And he didn't have to be that aggressive. He could have made. I the think same he would have
1: scored anyway. Yeah.
0: I think he would have scored anyway. He just needed to move towards him and and block him from yeah. making the play.
1: Kind of true, man. He,
0: he was a little too aggressive. That, that was it. I think that was a penalty, and it was the right call. The next call, goal called back is Warren Fogel's <coughs> goal. I can't remember who oh, shot it call. with the echo. Um, but hmm. what a. Cr- <laughs> I just what comes to mind is that play two or three weeks ago or a week ago with Stuart Skinner, I think, or was it Campbell? It was Campbell one of the,
1: with the puck the, under his pad on the post under
0: his foot at the side of the post for
1: one steamboat. The boat, ref is waiting for eighteen steamboats. Boats,
0: yeah. Four steamboats. Like it's they you know, he needed to hit ten steamboats. Mm-hmm. Well, this was one microbot bot that mm. you know, it just there was no time. He just immediately called the whistle as soon as it hit the goalie almost. Mm-hmm. And you know, took away a goal from Warren Fogel. And goals are significant for NHL players. I guess. They matter.
1: Like, they matter to the context of the game. That would have restored the four-goal lead and, you know, may, removed the doubt where, you know, at 5-2, you think, well, it's, you're in pretty really good shape, but if somehow they get one, and I was most nervous when it was when Hyman took a bad penalty on a power play, and they had a four-on-four four for about 40 seconds. I thought, well, if they score in this four-on-four, four, it's five-on-three, it's five-three, and then they still have a power play, and then it's game on potentially. But that was they, uh,
0: the at least we never really th- in, in. They got league. through
1: that. No, no, they weren't. They yeah. they didn't come close to scoring. But uh, <coughs> Edmonton mostly controlled. Mostly controlled.
0: Here's my question, like so. So the ref, he made a mistake. I, I'm sure he read mm-hmm. like if he watched the replay, like, like he would realize he made a mistake and he would feel bad about it.
1: He knew it before he pulled the whistle out of his mouth because he already saw the puck in the net. And he thought, hmm, maybe he didn't have it.
0: Well, could, 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 that's my question. If you blow, could he, could he have said, whistle was blown inadvertently, and called it a goal?
1: There are some plays where they say, if the goal was going to be scored anyway. Um, that the and the whistle has no effect, like it doesn't change the action of the players on the ice and the puck, you know, and sort of continuous action goes in the net. And I would make the argument that this was one of those, yeah. But apparently, there was, I mean, and Fogel hadn't quite chipped it in, but he was clearly in the motion of just chipping it into the net. It was a kind of a freebie for Fogle on a bad rebound, but the ref thought in the corner behind the goalie with the play facing the other way. And I have the same advice for refs on plays like that that I've had for the last mm, probably 50 years. It probably took me a few years to develop this advice. If the goalie's got the puck, if you think the goalie's got the puck, wait a second. If you don't see the puck again, it means he's got it. <laughs> don't have to instantly blow the whistle because you think he's got it. That's going to get you in trouble. And I've got uh, Leque, eh? Frederick Leque, uh, out here, they say, Liqueur. I uh, got the, uh, uh, got the um, call all wrong. And, you know, what drives me nuts about all is that, you know, they have these rules that say, you know, the the, the play at the blue line can be offside by by uh, a millimeter or a millisecond, you know, a of, of, of time difference. And we can take five or ten minutes looking over a tablet trying to determine if it was or if it wasn't or, you know, and yet. There's no rule to say, you know, when the referee makes a monumental error, uh, screw up. Okay, there we go. Comes close. When <laughs> ref makes a monumental, monumental screw up. That's obviously costing a team a goal, and there's not thing one you can do about that. But you can inquire about the most. Uh, you know, you get out the micrometers to, at the blue line. But the ref losing puck of a loose puck right around the net that's tapped in, it's not a thing you can do. And I'd say, NHL, your rules are screwed up. And yeah. not for the first time do I say that.
0: I have a similar rule that I've been going for 50 years, Bruce, on the mm-hmm. whistle thing. And my, my take is, if the shot is on the opposition net, you like, count to three or four. And if it's on the oiler net, just blow it immediately.
1: Just oh, blow it no, in. no, they, that, that's the opposite of how they actually call it. Have you noticed?
0: I know they don't follow my rule. I don't have the I don't have enough influence yet on the NHL. I'm working mm-hmm. at it, you know, get inside their heads. All right, um, Bruce, what is your numeral?
1: Yeah, uh, this is a set of numbers that was interesting to me tonight, uh, and this is the ice time of the defenders with the greatest interest at the very end. Uh, Evan Bouchard played 1906. Uh, Cody Cece 1755. The new man, Matthias Ekholm, who flew in today, didn't have any practice time with the team. He played 20 minutes and 50 seconds. Uh, yeah, there's no 22, is there? Uh, Darnell Nurse played a fairly standard for him, 24 minutes and 56 seconds with five shots and six shot blocks. Uh, uh, Brett Kulak, 1244. Uh, and then here's where it gets kind of interesting. Vincent DeHarnay. 14 minutes, 54 seconds. Philip Broberg, eight minutes, five seconds. So Deharnay played almost double Broberg's ice time. And this is very different from what we've seen in, uh, in the previous rotation. And my takeaway, first and foremost, is that now they have three righties and four lefties, and Broberg's kind of the extra guy. Whereas before, they had three lefties and four righties, and De Arne was kind of the extra guy. And they work him in as they can. But I noticed during the game, I haven't seen a lot of Broberg and Finney Sherman out there a lot. And Sure enough, 15 minutes to eight.
0: Broberg played well when he was out there. Yeah. And I, I personally... Five hits. I think he's a better player. Like, I personally think he's a better player right now than Brett Kulak. Mm-hmm. and and in making this trade because Eckholm signed for 3 years they've got an issue this summer um oh. about what they're going to do with with listen Broberg has to be on the team next year and i think mm-hmm. that mean, means they've got to move out Kulak okay. so they've got
1: uh, a move a nurse or uh, or Eckholm ac- ac- no. Eckholm obviously
0: no so i think it's a fairly, to me straight i w- i would play Broberg over Kulak now personally mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's close though, and I'll admit that I don't think it's like a slam dunk or anything like that. But um, and, and Kulak is a he's been playing better the last wow. two.
1: Months. I think he's been fine. He's trending There's up. There's
0: nothing wrong with him. I just think Broberg's a better player, better slightly better shutdown defenseman. Like he really sh- slams it shut on those guys. But um, yeah, it's great to have that kind of depth on defense, Bruce, because it, it's been a weird season <coughs> without. You know, I'm gonna. This is the David jinx now. I'm going to have to be careful what I say here. But the fact is, is there's been, true. yeah, no major injuries on, uh, orders <sighs> defense. and that's expected. You expect that. Yeah. Sorry. You expect it to happen. Like it's been weird, but the orders have now seven NHL D man, I think who can get the job done
1: mm-hmm.
0: and, and Nima um, is okay. He's, he's a cut below obviously, but, um, and they got seven, so it's good to have Philip Broberg because oh, yeah. um, could, someone could easily get hurt. It happens all the time with NHL defense. It's it's the norm, it's the rule, not the ex- and this is this year's been a bit of an exception. So yeah, nurse and dry are skating well. You know, speaking of injuries, like Darnell's mm-hmm. back to what, what he was, and so is so is Leon. Yeah. And that's what the players need to succeed in the playoffs.
1: My observation with Darnell is that his skating has gradually improved as the season's gone along. I thought in October, November, he was still looking a little awkward and and, uh, uh, not real good on the pivots. And now he just seems to be close to full strength, which for him is, you know, I mean, he's a pretty awesome specimen, skates really well for such a big man, it's a huge part of his game. And we're starting to see more and more of that good side of uh, of this player.
0: Yeah, he's really been playing well in the last uh, little run of games. I think he's been having a good run of games here. So um, he made a nice rush near the end of the game, rushed up the ice, made a move on the player and took it to the outside and got a good shot off. That was good to see. I like. I always like those defenses making their, pulling out their deeks. I <laughs> okay. uh,
1: came very close to scoring. I I think it was again a McDavid setup uh, maybe late in the first. Yeah. Or uh, he got Samsonov made a very good save off a nurse from like right in tight.
0: So Bruce, my numbers, my numbers are -3, minus -2 minus and -1. Minus -3 minus mm. William Nylander. -2 John Tavares and -1 Austin Matthews and i just you know i just have to give the orders full credit you know they were playing you know the generational player the best player on earth i understand um you know the, the certainly the best player in the nhl i guess and they really took it to austin matthews tonight they uh they really showed him who's boss i liked it
1: yeah he was uh they uh they put a blanket <clears throat> on him i mean they obviously paid uh uh, fairly close attention to where he was, and I liked how they shut him down without, you know, fouling or anything. They just were in the lanes, and you know, I honestly don't think he was particularly close to his best game tonight either. And a uh, big part of the difference of this game was that the Oilers stars got the better of the Leaf stars, and that those plus-minus figures back that up.
0: Yeah, I've seen Matthews play 15 times now, Bruce, and I don't get the comparisons to McDavid and Drive settle honestly. Like, I just don't see him it's in the same class. Like, he's got a good shot. He's a really tricky offensive hockey player, but I just don't see it anyway. I'm sure if you're a Toronto he's otherwise.
1: You need to track his uh, errors on uh, defensive uh, grade-A shots against uh, for 20 games, and then maybe you'd see... Uh, uh, He's uh, he's a strong defensive player, and of course we don't analyze any opponent to the close to the degree that we do our. Uh, the and that's
0: that's a good point. And so my I don't have, actually have a credible opinion on Austin Matthews' uh, defensive game. I can see he's got really great offensive talents,
1: mm-hmm.
0: <clears throat> but I can't tell you about his defensive game because we don't do that kind of work on him. So what can I say? I, I you know you maybe he is one of the the. Uh, terms of like enough offensive a player one of the better defenders in that group of players and um you know i've heard that kind of thing out of toronto but i don't know if i trust it but uh you'd have to do the work to know for sure all right bruce um when's the next game?
1: friday friday against uh winnipeg 7 p.m
0: Against the jets or is it
1: Back to back, 7 p.m. on Friday, 5 p.m. on Saturday. It's the minimum, mandated minimum time between starts in the NHL, 22 hours. Uh, the saving grace here is it's the same two teams that are doing the return game. So it's not like, you know, when it happens to one team and not the other, that, that game is a big disadvantage. But both the same, presumably, it'll level off, and it probably just means both teams will, will – uh, Struggle on Saturday nights, what's, what's the likely outcome, but we'll see. I did like the ice tonight, David. Best I've seen it at uh, at uh, Roger's place for a while. Buck was just flying around out there. Players were making clean contact with it. Good, crisp passes. It wasn't getting all bogged down in the snow that you often see where the ice turns really white. And it was, uh, it was a very fast game. And the Oilers are well equipped to uh, play those.
0: Just a quick look at the scoreboard
1: guys like uh, Warren Fogel and clean Kost and Ryan McLeod, you know, they were using their speed and, and, uh, uh, you know, making things happen just with their, with their good skating legs and Edmonton uh, hadn't uh, had that going on.
0: One piece of good news on the scoreboard tonight, Bruce, the devils beat the avalanche seven <coughs> five. So right, nothing else definitive to report. The other games are still on all right, well, you got the game grades, eh?
1: Yes, sir. Getting down thanks. to that next.
0: Good luck with that, and thanks for talking tonight, Bruce.
1: All right, and farewell. Yes, the pool of the RV. We didn't really talk about the trades. And Tyson Barry, two, uh, two guys that I enjoyed rooting for over these uh, past number of years. And i uh, uh, going to miss them. Hopefully, the the transactions make the team better. And obviously, that's the goal here. But I'm uh, uh, always a little sad to see... Uh, i uh, uh, um see uh, favorites or, you know, just long-time Oilers uh, uh, leave town, but such is the nature of the beast. Anyway, thanks for listening, everyone.
0: Yeah, I'll just add the um, mm-hmm. same. Best of luck to Tyson Berry. Best of luck to Yassipou Yarvi. He, he pronounced his name correctly for the uh, fans on a little, a little oh, yeah? video today. It was funny. He is a very sweet guy. And, um, man, we rooted for him and I'm, I'm glad I'm, this was not good. I'm glad he's moved on for him. I'm glad he's moved on for the Oilers. It was was time. time. It was time. And I I suspect he's going to have more of an NHL career, maybe much more, but that story's yet to be told.
1: What a perfect landing space for him. And I've read more than a few neutral observers who say, watch, yes, crush it in, uh, and Carolina, and I frankly hope he does. I mean, Carolina is far enough away that they're not affecting our playoff chances, you know. And uh, he's on on a team with his buddy Sebastian Aho, that was on the great line with uh, Patrick Laine at the 2016 World Juniors that first brought JP to uh, the hockey world's attention, and. They've also got like Toivu Teravainen on that team, Yasperi Kotkaniemi, Antti Ranta, like there's a big bunch of Finns. And this guy, uh, not the GM, but uh, I think a powerful decision maker in uh, hurricane country is Eric Tulski, a former blogger and uh, analytics guy. I think that's the official term, uh, who has uh, found big success on the professional side of the hockey world. A uh, very, very sharp thinker, and uh, he, he, they just seem to make crafty pickups all the time in Carolina. And, and they uh, they got, you know, for the rest of the season, uh, even if he's just a fourth liner there, well, they got a top nine, that's killer. And now they got, you know, they got a, a play pusher on the fourth line, and a, another one. It uh, just makes them deeper, and they have room on the cap, so bring them on. And if it works out, I probably sign him for cheap for, uh, for next year, you know.
0: I'm glad the orders were able to move him without having to to swallow it yeah. back the other direction. That was my main concern, it was so good for Ken Holland on that. Yeah. I think it was wise to pick up Pulio Yarvi. I think he can help your team win in the playoffs in the right situation. He could have helped Edmonton, but that was unlikely, just given everything. And it was nice to see. I think it was Drysital who was wished him well, yeah. since <coughs> he missed on Instagram. So that was a really touchy thing, a classy thing to do. And as for Tyson Berry, man, like that, I felt bad for him he just loved being an owner he loved being in Edmonton he was a leader on the power play he was a he he methodically had improved his game at even strength um he was a strong Oilers player and uh and I I didn't like to see him go um you know I'm I'll evaluate the move the trade as it goes along as I get to see Ekholm's game but um yeah he, he he's a loss him moving on as a loss to the Oilers thanks again Bruce all right well,
1: thanks for listening everyone